Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The more we hear the Word of God, that's why we teach expositionally. That's why we go through the Word of God verse by verse. What? so that you can get the whole gamut of the Word of God. Paul said, I didn't leave anything out. I preached to you, I taught to you the whole counsel of God. Like these people, remember, our life here on earth, simply a short journey. It goes quicker and quicker and quicker. Heaven is where we belong. There's nothing permanent on this earth. There's nothing permanent here. We're out of here shortly. Living this life can become all-consuming. As you get busier and busier, the days become such a blur that you're not even sure sometimes what day it is. You want to throw up your hands and say, I've had it. I'm done with all of this. But you can't leave it. You're in too deep. In all of this, it's so easy to forget, as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, that all of this life is temporary. You'll be reminded that for as long as this life seems to be, it's just a blip of time. Your eternal life's so much more important. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, The Faith of Abraham. Now, as you get older, we discover this, that all of a sudden, time just begins to... And those of you with young children, you'll be shocked how quick you're at their high school graduation. It'll blow you away. Those of us that are past that can't believe that we have grandchildren. And I look at these kids from Lee College and I go, I'm getting younger. Not really. But even you teenagers and students, you have one shot at this. It'll go like that. So what do we want to do? We want to use our time wisely. The most valuable thing you have is your time. That's what's going to count. This quote from Helen Keller, I think, is beautiful. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. But too many people settle for nothingless instead of passionate living. They sell their souls to buy comfort and security. They fear risk and failure. They live accidentally, not deliberately. They let rules, boredom, or weariness steal their passion, and once they do, they play life safe. Are you playing life safe? See, if you walk 
by sight, you play life safe. You want to play life risky. And I don't mean foolish, but I mean you want to play life by walking by faith. Abraham left. He didn't have a clue where he was going. I would have loved to have been there when he told Sarah that. She probably thought, we're moving. Promotion, huh? Moving to the better town, better part of town. Where are we going? I don't know. Now that's risky, telling your wife we're moving and I don't know where. But see, that's life. God requires that we live by faith. That brings an excitement to our life. You say, well, that's just for the young people. Oh, no, not at all. You're going to see at the age of 100 and 90, the first child comes. That's unheard of, but that's what God did. Just ask yourself, are you using time wisely? Well, look at verse 10. Hebrews, verse 10. For he was looking, Abram, forward to the, circle this word, city. To a city. With foundations whose architect and builder is God. Now, where in the world did Abram get this kind of an idea? How could he be thinking about heaven? Well, God had to obviously give him some insight into this. I ask you to circle the word city because when you think of a city, you should think of this. A city is, well, it's people and it's activity and it's excitement and it's relationships. Let me give you a little, a couple ideas. He was thinking of a city. What is your favorite city, wherever you live, and places you'd like to go? Singapore. It is, Linda and I, one of our favorite cities in the world that we like to go to. Four million people plus, booming economy, brilliant, spotless, clean, all kinds of religions of the world, but Christianity is allowed in its own area to really flourish. Just a beautiful place to go. All the people there, almost everybody, just high-rise after high-rise after high-rise. Your lawn, uh, your laundry, the guy with the Maytag commercial, he would die over in Singapore because there are none of those dryers. You hang it outside to dry. But when you think about a city, think about that. Excitement, living, all kind of neat things. But it's never about the buildings. It's always about what? People. People is what makes a city exciting. This is another thing that makes it exciting. You can get food for like $4 for a full meal. Of every kind of food you can think of in your life. You say, you mean when Abraham's thinking about heaven and a city, he's thinking about food? Sure. You know there's going to be food in heaven? What if I told you there's no food in heaven? Half of you wouldn't even want to go to heaven. Maybe more than half. There's going to be food in heaven. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We enjoy people. You see, a city is where people are. It's not the building. When we get to heaven, I mean, it's going to be the world, but it's the people that are going to make the difference. And this is what Abraham was saying. He says simply, I'm looking forward to a city. God had to put this in there somehow. The architect of the city, the builder of the city is God. 
And since it's God, it's going to be perfect. Remember this, Revelations 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death and sorrow and crying and pain. All these things are gone forever. Are you saying, Pastor Mark, that while Abraham lived, he thought about heaven? Yes. Absolutely he did. Well, what about us When is the last time we thought about a city whose maker is God? When's the last time you thought about heaven? Well, you say, Pastor Mark, I know that old saying, they're so heavenly minded, they're no good. That's right. You can be unbalanced. And no, I just can't wait till you do it. just can't wait till you do it. And not do anything here. But you know, we can be the other way. We can be so earthly minded that we're no good here. And I think Abraham had the balance. C.S. Lewis had made this great statement. Here's what he says. Aim in heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at the earth and you'll get neither. That's a meditative statement. Aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at the earth, and you'll get neither. Now here we are, verse 11. By faith, Abram, when even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Remember, God made the promise. He said, you're going to have a son. From that son's going to come lots of people. In fact, populate the whole world for the Jewish people. Verse 12, and so from this one man, and he was, guys, you wouldn't like this to be said about you, as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sea on the seashore. What is this scripture saying? What is the author saying? What does he mean when he says that Abraham is as good as dead? Well, you know what it means. He's 99. He's sexually what? Dead. All the blue pills in the world wouldn't help. It was impossible. It was over with. It's finished. Well, that's not only the problem. We have Sarah. She's 90. There hasn't been an egg in that womb for years. Think about this. See, we look at this and go, nothing to it. Well, biologically, it's absolutely impossible. Now, if we walked by sight... 
What are you going to say about this? Impossible. Absolutely impossible. But God promised a son. No, we don't want to dwell on it too long, but somehow a 99-year-old husband and a 90-year-old wife, one night in a tent, there was some fireworks. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) This tape will sell. But more than this, I want you to think about this. I want you to think of Abraham getting Sarah into the car and driving to the hospital. And they walk in. And they sit down at the registrar. Why are you here? My wife's pregnant. And Abraham hands over his Medicare card. First time anybody ever used a Medicare card for a delivery. I mean, it had to be classic, wouldn't it? 90-year-old wife? This is, this is amazing to me. Praise God. Can you hear the talk in the halls? Well, what do you want to write about that? Here's what you want to write. I'm giving you something to write so you don't write something else. Because of faith, Christ followers must be optimistic. We must be optimistic. George Sweeney, a past president of Moody Bible Institute, gave this definition of optimism. He said, optimism is when an 85-year-old man marries a 35-year-old woman and moves into a 12-room house next to an elementary school. That's beautiful. But Ken Hughes, who has a great commentary on Hebrews, says this. I have a better definition of optimism. Optimism is when a 99-year-old man and his 90-year-old bride hear God say they're going to be parents and believe that their offspring will fill not a schoolhouse, but the whole earth as God promised. What happened in that miracle is exactly what God promised. Now, that means wherever you're at, nothing is impossible with God. You can't do nothing with that scientifically. That's a God thing. So, remember, God wants to do exceedingly more than you and I can even ask or think. Well, how did all this happen? You know, Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word, did for Sarah exactly what he promised. She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. Abraham named his son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. Now, how long did they wait from the time God promised a son, 25 years. Next thing you want to write is this. Faith sometimes must wait patiently for God's timing. 
Faith must wait patiently. Now, what's the danger while we wait? You already know the story of the danger. Abraham and Sarah couldn't wait. They said, that's the promise of God. We'll do it our way. Sarah got Hagar, the maid, said, here, Abraham, go and let's make a family with her. You know the issue. In fact, all you have to do is look at the current problems in the Middle East, understand the dangers of not waiting until God does it his way. We've all been there. We've gotten ahead of God. It's a mess. God's gracious. He gets us out of it. But very often we pay for it because we got ahead of God. So don't blame God. God promised here, but God promised in his timing. His promises always are in his timing. You can't push ahead of God. You have to wait for God to open the door. That's a very real danger for all of us. Verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Of course, talking about many, many, many individuals in the Bible. Believe God. Believe God would do this, that, and the other. All these things he did promise. But the one thing that they were looking for was the Savior. They never got to see Jesus. They never got to see the fulfillment of that promise. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. In other words, even as Adam and Eve in the garden knew that there was going to be someone that would come take care of the sins of the world, they never saw it, but they saw it by faith. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. All these people were still living by faith when they died. You know, if you want something said as a eulogy, that's a great thing to have said at your funeral. What about Mark Balmer? He was still living by faith the day before he died. That's, that's good. That's real good. Why? Number one, it's good for me. Number two, that means I was pleasing God the day before I died. Next thing you want to write is this. Notice what that statement means. Faith is a lifestyle. It's not an event. Well, I had faith last Tuesday, but I don't have any now. No, that's not right. Faith is a lifestyle. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The more we hear the Word of God, that's why we teach expositionally. That's why we go through the Word of God verse by verse. Why? So that you can get the whole gamut of the Word of God. Paul said, I didn't leave anything out. I preached to you, I talked to you, the whole counsel of God. Like these people, remember, our life here on earth, simply a short journey. It goes quicker and quicker and quicker. Heaven is where we belong. There's nothing permanent on this earth. There's nothing permanent here. We're out of here shortly. Live by faith. Peter says this, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. So, verse 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own i.e. heaven. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, 
And he has prepared a city for them. John 14, you know that. Jesus said, if I go, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And he has prepared a city for them. The last thing right here, there's only two more. Pilgrims live life with an eternal perspective. Each one of us has a time frame here. We have a purpose here. We're to walk by faith. One day we're going to arrive in heaven, and all of those things we've read about in the Bible will be true. This morning early, or maybe it was last night, I can't remember, I wrote this statement. I think it's good for you to meditate on this week. In heaven, this is powerful, listen. God gave me this. In heaven, our faith will be replaced by our sight as we see him face to face. You see, in heaven, I don't need faith anymore. It's going to be by sight. I'm going to see my Lord. I'm going to see those people that brought me up, my mom and my dad. I'm going to see those loved ones in the church that I was raised in. And you're going to see your relatives and your friends. And we're going to see Moses. We're going to see Abraham. Some of us ask Abraham, what in the world, Abraham, were you doing when you turned to that hospital with your Medicaid card? What was it like? We're just going to be excited to see what God did. Colossians 3 says this, since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only, certainly we think about down here, do not think only about those things down here on earth. As we focus on truth, do you know that you can never really be satisfied with earthly pleasures and pursuits? You can never really be totally content and happy here. Because we're not made for here. Now, we are to be content here, but only content knowing that we're pilgrims passing through. That doesn't mean we do things lackadaisical. We do things like with no excellence. No, it means exactly the opposite. I do with things with excellence because I'm going to stand at the beam of seat of Christ. I'm going to give a recount, not just for what I did, but for why I did things, the motive that I did. We need to have life in a different perspective, an eternal perspective. Eternity has no end. It's forever. It's not a few years and then something else. It's it. There's no time. So, really, the last thing I want to say to you tonight is this. We need to live with, out of this world, faith. In other words, a faith that we know where we're going. Our final place is with God in heaven. When we get there, we will be at home until we're just travelers. We're just pilgrims. You might stay in the same city your whole life, but this is not your home. Our home is in heaven where our God is. And that's where he's designed you to go. How are you going to get there? By faith. Believing promises of God, no matter where you are. You found out in Pastor Mark's teaching today that Abraham's life was quite an adventure. 
The ups and downs, the doubts and successes, though, are things you can relate to. Although God might not be calling you to become the father of nations, there's still stuff he wants to get done through you. You learn today how to tap into God and start living the life he wants you to. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This ends Pastor Mark's teaching, The Faith of Abraham. Next time, he'll begin his teaching, The Faith of the Patriarchs and Moses. You'll see more examples of the lifestyle of faith lived out through Abraham and his children. You'll find out about God's continual interaction with what would become the people of Israel and how to apply their experiences to your own life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living.